record. Let me make sure all my drinks are within arm's arm's reach. Okay, yeah, good call. Yes, I'm good. Um, okay, we need a checklist. We do need a for checklist. For drinks and stuff. All right. <clears throat> do I have my coffee? Do I have my water? Do I have my ginger ale? Do I have my whiskey? Oh, we didn't bring whiskey. whiskey. Do you want whiskey? Uh, you know, it's still, still too yeah. early. Yeah. Um, and I have to drive all the way. Freaking. We got to solve Creek. this next time. I know. Um, <clears throat> so, Mike, uh, I guess we should get started. We should get started. Um, so, I, last time we talked. Yep. It's a long time ago. Chris Cornell was still alive. I am so glad you're asking about this. I wanted I wanted to talk about this. Dude, yeah. <clears throat> when it ha- when it happened, I was like my wife doesn't she didn't even listen to Soundgarden at all. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was just like a little sad cuz I don't know why but I related to Chris Cornell more than anybody else <clears throat> in that whole scene. Like yep. like I was like Eddie Vedder, why couldn't it have been you? <laughs> like <laughs> with um <clears throat> with like Kurt Cobain, I was like, "Eh, I mean, he's kind of a loser, but Chris <laughs> Cornell was like, and no offense to anybody who was, you know, super into, you know, any of those guys or whatever, but, um, like those guys were kind of crazy. Whereas Chris Cornell, I kind of felt like he was a little more like, almost like coming back around. Mm-hmm. Well, he <laughs> to, was to, to, to quote yeah. a phrase, <laughs> one of their old songs. <clears throat> he was, it's funny. Cause I, I related most to Eddie Vedder. Oh yeah. Um, because he was kind of the oddball. He was like not from the scene. He was from San Diego. Oh, true. And was kind of an outsider, but had this amazing voice. And like that album with him and, and Chris Cornell, the tribute album to Mother Love Bone is like one of my Temple favorite. Of the, Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog. Yeah. It's one of my favorite favorite albums of all time. Um, yeah. But I love, I, Chris Cornell was amazing too. Like I, I, I never really got into Nirvana. Um, yeah. And I didn't. I didn't really get the hype with them, but mm-hmm. I mean, Soundgarden is just such a, just the epitome of, of grunge too, right? It was like this great mix of like hard rock and punk and, and what was happening in Seattle. And, and like Led Zeppelin, there was definitely a Ze- Led yeah. Zeppelin influence. Yep. You know? A little bit of doors in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Chris, I mean, he had by far the best voice of anyone from that era. I mean, Eddie Vedder's, I feel like, is kind of, like, very – I mean, I think Chris Cornell had range. And yeah. He had just an amazing, like, powerful voice. Yep. But I think um, Eddie Vedder, I liked his voice. I mean, he just has a distinctive voice, a very, very strong voice. Very distinctive voice. And just, yeah, it was really good. And, yes, he was crazy, mm-hmm. like, jumping all over, climbing stuff. Like, early on, he was kind of – Well, the lyrics – yeah, yeah. Like the lyrics, I'm just like, this guy is crazy. We should, you should not listen to this guy too much. No. <laughs> I mean, but no. the same thing could be said with Chris Cornell when he was, um, it's pretty dark a little influenced by probably the Drogas. Yep. You know, yep. I don't know what he was, but it was, it know. was, uh, there were some pretty dark things, but <clears throat> it was like when I was growing up, it was yep. time in my life when I was like, you know, kind of, you know, cause I was, you know, it was like 90s and, yep. Um, late 80s and so yeah it was very sad um, rest in peace Chris Cornell I mean I hope he's yeah. in a good place uh, <laughs> yeah I hope we get to talk to him someday know. you know but know. Uh, it's just sad it is sad it's depressing when someone takes their own life you know because like what hopelessness you know I don't know I, I mean I think a lot of us have been there where we was like you know kind of toyed with you know the idea and 
Um, it's kind of a serious thing. It's just sad to see that get into someone's head like that, yep. you know? And so, um, so it was extra, you know, when I was listening to Soundgarden the rest of the weekend, mm. it was just kind of like, wow, you know, the whole weekend. Yeah. So heavy thing. It's very heavy. <clears throat> so that is the question. That's the first time we've actually gotten like deep in, you know? Yeah. But let's, I, let's, I mean, you know, so Nirvana, I liked, let's talk about what we liked. I liked, they had kind of a cool like surf like sound. They right? did. I mean, they, they kind of had like, they, they brought it, man. Yeah. Dude. A lot of energy. Um, very distinctive, mm-hmm. a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, for me, got a little monotone at times where oh, yeah. it was like, I'm, and I think I'll, this is probably just case in point for a lot of grunge is that it became mm-hmm. form- formulaic. And I mean, Nirvana was like, they were the originators of a lot of the formula. Yeah. But even in that, it was like from one album to the next, I was like. All right, what are you what are you really doing? So you think they got um, to the point where they were just turning the crank, thinking that it's kind of. I don't this. know. I don't know if they were turning the crank, but maybe that's just who they were. Yeah. Versus like, for me, one of the big, one of the big draws for Pearl Jam is that they continually shifted their sound, and who knows what what Nirvana would have done, right? That's the other thing. It's like we only got them for what four years. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't very long. So it's like if they had lasted two decades as a band together, what would they sound like now? Right. Right. Um, But. um, Dude, but like Pearl Jam, Evenflow. Oh, dude. Oh, my goodness. That album is just amazing. Yeah, totally. It was amazing. And and, uh, and so. And just like. My top 10 albums of all time, I think. And as crazy as Eddie Vedder is. And as yeah, much yeah. as I'm kind of like don't feel connected to him really that much, like yeah. Chris Cornell, um, I still like when I hear that, it's like it feels like home kind of. Yep. You know, it feels like comfortable. You know, when I hear his voice singing and stuff, you know, I just got to tune out the words yeah. <laughs> but uh, and the topic probably. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, you hope those guys grow up and, and gain some. There's plenty that you can get from those experiences. And I was I guess I was kind of hoping Chris Cornell was coming out. Mm-hmm. with some like he's going to come out with all this wisdom and he's going to change his heart's going to change and when his heart changes and all that all that um all that experience even the bad things will come into perspective so like when i was listening to billy corgan which is a big like so i was listening to billy corgan this is this has to do with branding mm-hmm. it's starting to kind of start to understand so <laughs> uh listening to his story because when i when i listen to billy corgan i'm a lyrics guy so when i hear oh. the lyrics i'm like okay depressing right some of the songs but then he like had a life change Hmm. at one point and and all of a sudden now i could listen to all this other stuff and i didn't get depressed now because yeah. it was just part of a story now part of a bigger story and so it's almost like i was hoping that chris cornell would have a similar kind of story that he would come out of it with like okay now like all this my heart's changed my heart's new you know like like you and i both know it can be right yep. and so now um my heart's new and now all this experience now i can like actually interpret it for people and i can teach and i can be a part of this like the elevation of the conversation around life and what it means, you know? And it's just kind of a bummer to see that like, like snuffed out by his own hand, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so that was rough, but, um, it's not too late for Eddie Vedder, is it? Nope. <laughs> nope. He's, okay. Yeah. Pray for Eddie Vedder. Right? We, need a, we need like a, there's um, the call to action. Yeah. Call to action and pray for Eddie. So, uh, hashtag. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. Yeah. Pray for better. So, um, 
Okay, so uh, today we're talking about, um, we are talking about, so last time we talked about, earlier today, in fact, we recorded the podcast first part of July. This is second part of July. We're talking about the SWOT analysis. And why are we talking about it? Because we want to interpret, we want to have like actual tasks you can do. Like, what can I do to create better leadership? Mm. We talked about leadership earlier. We talked about leadership at the beginning of the month. Now we're going to talk about uh, an essential thing you do to understand what your leadership is and to kind of like make it make sense, almost diagramming, you know, mm-hmm. your 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 leadership based on your strengths. Yeah. <clears throat> so before we do that, Mike, who are you, man? <laughs> I'm Mike Jones. <laughs> What's up, Mike? Hey, Chris. Uh, I run a brand agency called Resound, and I have a personal philosophy that I've infused into a lot of my business with my business partners. This is a philosophy that we all have, and um, we believe that every brand can be remarkable. Not that every brand is remarkable, but every brand can be. Some might need a lot more work, a lot more time, a lot more effort than others. Yes. Some might actually need to just kind of reboot, <laughs> change the DNA, mm-hmm. <laughs> do some splicing. Yep. Um, but we do think that every brand can be remarkable, given the right the right tools, the right framework, the right help. That's a very um, positive attitude. Like yeah, it. it's it's pretty positive. I like it. We not everyone agrees with us. <laughs> um, I do. And my my mission in everything I do, in, including this podcast and my business and in other other outlets of creativity, um, is to just help as many people and brands figure that out as possible. Nice. So if you're listening today and you get value out of this and it helps inspire you to make a more remarkable brand, then my mission is accomplished. Amen. Yeah. What is your quote? Oh, yeah. I have a quote for this week uh, or for this month, and it's from Albert Einstein, apparently a smart dude. Oh, you are so creative, Albert Einstein. I oh, know. You're really, you're really digging know. deep there, I really dug you? deep on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and your, he said, your... this is interesting. I hadn't heard this one before. Um, he said, everything should be made as simple as possible. But not simpler, dude. I just saw this one for the first time the other day. Yeah. No, this is very. It's been good. making the rounds, I think. Yeah. Okay. But it got me thinking because mm. it's like everyone wants to talk about making things simple. Mm. You know, keep it simple, stupid. Right. I love that. I love this idea of simplicity. But at some level, like, think some things are just complicated, right? Yeah. Yep. And so, in our own business with our own clients, it's it's funny because we we end up talking about. Making the complex simple mm-hmm. does not mean reducing the complexity. It means communicating in a way that people understand. Mm. Because the complexity sometimes is what the value is, right? Right, right. Right? Like <clears throat> if you just make everything dumb simple, like let's reduce all language to a first grade level. Well, what about the great literary works of of the last, you know, 500 years? Good example. We're just going to burn all of them. And what if we made rocket science did the same thing with rockets? Let's be like, it's just going to, we're just going to follow this one principle and it's all going to work out. It's like, no, no, no. There's like, you have to know about the control surfaces and you have to know about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics. And stuff is hard. Yeah. Right. Stuff is hard. Hashtag stuff is hard. Mm. So I like this because it's, it's from a smart guy. (laughs) So, so it's somehow validated. It's irrefutable. Yeah. It's irrefutable. Right. Um, But, you know, it's this idea of, like, attempting to make things simple, right? The, the process of making it more simple is what's important. But there is a point at which you can destroy the thing as it is by making it simpler than what it can be. 
Mm. Like you can only take so many legs out of the chair before it stops being a chair. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like at some point, it just doesn't work anymore. It's not what it was anymore. That's a really good example. So. Yeah. And so I might have to change my quote because because you inspire me. So I'm I'm Chris Stadler and I, I have a, you know, so I do I do brand brand and content strategy and I'm working on a the, the what you said was interesting because I'm working on a big content strategy and um I'm trying to I'm trying to create an MVP, a minimum viable product, right? And I'm having that same conversation about um, in fact, I emailed a friend of mine. I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what minimal is though. What minimal is so, it seems so simple, but it's like, oh, what's your MVP, right? <laughs> and I know that's like super popular, but my MVP is not super simple. If it was too yeah. simple, then I wouldn't have good artwork and I wouldn't have ph- the photography and the writing. It wouldn't be good. And I have to stop and say like, okay, I'm a process guy and I, have to, I need to stop and I need to take a morning and I need to just like get into this messy part of the work, which is the creative part. And so creating the, you know, drawing the pictures of the content and the mind maps and everything like that, that's great. Mm. But, um, but you, it, 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 it is, it's as complicated as it needs to be. The minimum <clears throat> is defined by what meets the need. And so like you're saying like, a, a you know, you can only take so many legs out of a chair before it stops being a chair. Well, you know, because it stops filling that need, you know? And so it's really defined by the need. <clears throat> which is really interesting because we're going to talk about SWOT analyses. My quote, okay, so my thing, right, Chris Dudler, brand and content strategy. I believe in teaching servant leadership and relationships. Mm. Everything I do has stopped being like advertising and has focused in on the part of advertising that is relationship building. And I know you're the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we all have a lot of tools, right? But but for me, I'm just really focusing on on content because I feel like I want to create relationships with the, the, the long tail. I want to create relationships with people who can really benefit a lot and I want to be strong and I want to be able to say things that I couldn't say to a bigger audience and <clears throat> they will forgive me or they will like <laughs> laugh even harder or something like that, you know. And um, and I have these um, I have this quote and this quote is actually my quote because I just like <laughs> I didn't have time to look for a quote. I'm a slacker. Chris, so I'm so quoting cheating, myself. But I love it. I love it. I'm wedding. What did you say? I, was I said doing? I'm loving it. It's cheating, but cheating. I love it. Yes, I'm cheating. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, and this is from a podcast I was doing. And I was like, oh, this is a money quote. And all the, all right. So all these generals who are committed to using industry best practices by the end of it, were sitting in a French prison. <laughs> it's a statement about best practices. And it, and it really applies to what we were just talking about. Best practices are best for a very small number of people, mm-hmm. a very a small handful of companies, right? The thing is they're in the middle, but it could be that the companies that are in the middle are, are the fewest number of companies. The curve can look like this, mm-hmm. right? It can, it can be look like a U mm-hmm. rather than a, a, a bell curve, like, you know, like the standard bell curve. It's like an inverted bell curve. It could be, you don't know that, right? And so, or really more accurately, it would just be a really flat bell curve. And so, and so the average isn't necessarily the best and the loudest voices aren't necessarily the average. And so, and the simplest best practices aren't necessarily the best practices. So how do you know what best practices are? Well, how you know is it comes from, it comes from your goal, your mission, you know? And so, um, and, and so the story behind this quote is basically like, you know, Napoleon was fighting the Austrians in one case. 
And the Austrians were like, look, we're going to overpower him. We're, we are using the best practices. We know how to fight war. And you fight it with big armies, concentrated concentrated armies, concentrated in one place. And um, you concentrate your power. And it's uh, through drilling and tight control over your army. And so there's nobody who could drill as well as the Austrians or the Prussians maybe, right? But they could just, they, they I mean, you raise a flag, man. They were on it, right? Very responsive. But what Napoleon did was he basically fought a kind of guerrilla warfare. And so by doing that, he was able to take advantage of his strengths. And so instead of matching up up with the Austrians on their strengths, what he, he basically said was like, we're not doing best practices. We're going to figure out what our strengths are. And then we're going to focus, we're going to make a plan around those strengths. And then we're going to look at our, our enemies and we're going to adapt what we say our strengths are to their weaknesses. And so he was a true strategist. And what's beautiful about that um, is just going back to the quote, you know, all these generals who are committed to using these best practices, you know, because they're serious business people, all of a sudden they're sitting in a French jail, you know, and I, I just, I, I like the end of it, you know, it's kind of the idea. Um, and so, and that kind of ties into what we're talking about um, today. But before we do that, I think we want to talk about the community because we are trying to understand, we're trying to create a conversation. We're not just trying to talk. Yep. So uh, we have <clears throat> conversations going on in Facebook right now. The SPHX uh, Facebook um, group is is hopping right now. So yep. we're having conversations there. And so um, a few things have come out of that, Mike. Um, what has come out of that? Yeah. So we've been asking people, what's the toughest part about getting to the bottom of a brand? And um, there's a lot of conversations going on, which is really cool to see. About getting to the brand of Arizona, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Arizona's brand is, yep. is, yeah. So like, what is Arizona? Mm -hmm. What are these, as we talked about last time, like what are these common threads that are running through Arizona and the identity that Arizona has or is becoming. Yeah. Like, is there a distribution, like a distribution of brands, you know, that we see coming mm -hmm. out, like, like desert focused brands or something like that. Um, do what kind of people are here? What kinds of things naturally happen because of the people, the weather, I don't know, is a grand Canyon support an industry. I mean, is it like, <laughs> does it create inspiration for the world? I mean, what, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as examples. And so it's, uh, you know, and we, what we're running into and not really running into, but just part of the process is as we ask people, they're like, well, we've been successful for this reason. And, um, and they give their reason. And a lot of times it seems like, you know, a commodity at first, like, oh yeah, we're able to find a lot of people, um, or the cost of living is low. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we can afford more. Um, but what does that mean? And what about Arizona? Like, okay, has a low cost of living compared to some other metropolitan areas. Uh, we have a great airport that's right in the middle of everything, which is great. It's a hub. And, and, um, but how do these things turn from commodity to, um, like, like examples or manifestations of Arizona's leadership and, and substance. So what's mm -hmm. a qualitative, like what's a qualitative difference rather than just a quantitative kind of yep. like, Oh, the numbers are a little different, but what's a qualitative, like, no, there really is something different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's the question. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that what we're, we're pushing toward. With. Yeah. And so, and so even though a lot of these things, you know, part, part of the, the answers we're getting, even though they're kind of at the surface, um, we need, we just need to keep that conversation going. We need to keep people talking about that and then challenging them to dig just a little deeper and find out, um, you know, like in, in Arizona SWOT analysis, it's not like service, quality, price, you know, 
But we yeah. need to go beneath that and say, well, what about us makes us... Why is service a value? Yeah. Why are prices lower? <clears throat> you know, <Right. clears throat> why, why is there, you know, it, I, I don't know if anyone said this, but, you know, like there's an intrinsic grid system to our city for the most part. Uh, okay. Well, why is that, right? Like, okay, it has a grid, big whoop. Like, you know, if, if San Francisco really wants to, they can just bulldoze and make a grid. Um, they're not going to, it's too cost, you know, too costly, but why is there a grid? Well, there's a sense of planning. There's a sense of, uh, uh, of an attempt to see the future and plan ahead towards it. Now, whether or not we do that is, you know, up for debate, but you know, somewhere down the line, somebody said we should have a grid Mm -hmm. because of X, Y, Z, because it, it's a better layout. It allows for better transportation and easier ways to get around and navigate the city. And so a question from that might be, okay, well, what led to that? And yep. then, and then, and then from that you lead to like, well, what other things, you know, are, are expressions of that same thinking and, um, and maybe that's an advantage. Yep. And so what we're trying to do is it's not always on the surface, but it's like creativity. You don't, you don't go into a, um, a creative, uh, a brainstorming session and then put a bunch of on like micromanage it. Right. Yep. And so we'll have those conversations come out and we'll entertain, we want to entertain whatever seems like there might be something there, you know? Yep. And so whatever crazy thing people come up with, let's hear it. Yep. Let's talk about it. You know, first Put, ideas are usually not the best. Right. And you've got to get all the crazy ones out before you get to the really good ones. Yeah. That's why you write a hundred headlines. Yep. And that's why you don't <laughs> self edit yourself. It's why you don't critique mm. in the brainstorm process. So we're not, right. right. You know, some of these might be good, some might be bad. That's okay. We're in the brainstorm process right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get to refinement. We'll get there. But amen. Right now, yeah. like let's just start start listing stuff and see where the chips fall. Yeah. So um so maybe we've covered this um yeah. So good. Oh yeah, no, but I want to say one more thing though. Yep. Cuz it's a note here. So also there seems to be a collection of reasons we think together like a bunch of like, you know, a bunch of those things together make Arizona a good place to be. But even that, it's hard to deal with. Like if a brand, you know, is like, yeah, well, you know, we don't have one strength. We have like two strengths that kind of work together. It's like, that's hard to talk about still. Yep. You're not going to get as much mileage or you're not going to be able to tell great stories about that very well. And so from a content perspective, you lose a lot of leadership because you're not, yep. you're not focusing. So yeah. even that needs yeah. to be I've got a good story for that. Tell us. I asked somebody last week mm-hmm. um, about their new business that they've started up. And I yeah. said, well, what makes you different? Because he, he spent some time explaining the the technical side of the business. And I was like, okay, I think I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. And I understand the space you're playing in. So what makes you any different than, you know, the hundreds of other providers of the same product or a similar type of product? And he responded with, well, there's really 10 things. And I immediately, like, internally, I didn't want to, like, shut him down, but I internally was like, that means you don't have anything. Yeah. If the answer is 10, if the answer is 5, if the answer is even, like, like you were saying, 2, then you still haven't nailed the, the thing that makes you different. Mm-hmm. Because in, in, the, in most people's minds, you can't handle that many things and understand why it's different than someone else. When you put something in a category, intrinsically, it's one category. Right. And so when you're competing with other people in the same category, in the same mental space, there has to be a singular thing that you can point to. And yeah, you can have other things that you do well, mm-hmm. right? Just because you like 
focus on, you know, a, a phenomenal customer experience and and whatever. You know, like let's just say for instance, it's customer experience. That's your thing, right? Yeah. Every customer that experiences your products and services just is blown away. It's just phenomenal time, right? Right. I don't know if that's a really good thing to base your entire brand on, but <laughs> we'll use that as an example because I threw it out there. <clears throat> um, yes. Like I said, first ideas are usually the worst. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like that's, let's say you're, that, that's your thing. That doesn't mean that you can't also be affordable, mm-hmm. right? Right. If you wanted to, you could say, I want a great customer experience and we're also going to be affordable. We're going to be, you know, cost effective. Um, you can't lead with both though. Right. Right. Like, right. You can't, I mean, intrinsically, you can only lead with one thing. Mm-hmm. That's how we work. I mean, it's how language works. You can only say one word before you say another. Right. It's, you can only see one thing before you see another. And, and the, the other thing, too, is that humans only ever understand story. Yep. There's never a time when a human understands something that's not a story about something. Yeah. You know. I mean, there's no, like, <clears throat> so um, I used to talk, talk with my students because when you teach college students the 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 joke is like they only look like adults um <laughs> all the college it, students listening right now are just are turning it off turn it off um no but the truth is we're all kind they're of they're heckling you yeah yeah <laughs> professor stadler the truth the truth though is that we're all you know we're all kind of like in that spot and you know where some of us are more sophisticated than others but, but the idea is that like you know you have story and then you have data you have story mm-hmm. and you have reference and yeah. so um, I would get paragraphs and reports and I'm like, I'm not reading this garbage. You know, I'd be like, put the, put the, put your conclusion first because that makes the whole paragraph into a story now. But if you're like, and we found that this happened and then this, and we found this and then this, and then they wouldn't even tell me the conclusion sometimes. But if they put the conclusion at the front, I'm like, okay, let's disprove this. You know, let's find out if it's accurate or not. Yep. And so, and so it made it strong. And, and I'm like, guys, if it's just reference, if it's, if it should be in a table, put it over here in a table, you know, don't put it in a, in your, your narrative because I'm not going to read that. And the client's not going to read that, you know? And so there's idea that story, story is the only thing that matters. If you have one thing to talk about, now you can tell a story about someone's life. If you have two things to talk about, now you have to tell two stories when the same thing. And now the two stories are competing with each other, you know? And so as we're getting into, um, you know, so as we're getting into the, you know, Arizona's brand and, you know, what it means, um, choosing, you know, doing your SWOT analysis helps you narrow those things down. Right. And yep. so <clears throat> let's talk about, um, let's talk about, you know, well, why does it matter? I mean, I think we're already kind of into that, right? I yep. mean, why does it all matter? So, well, first of all, leadership matters. And this is the next, this is how to do, how to find, you know, part of how to find your, your leadership It's part of the process that makes it actually happen, right? Instead of just talking about leadership. And so I think that's that's really important. Uh, having a process is also important because you get to lead, you know, like it helps people understand where you're coming from. You're not kind of like, yeah, we're sort of about this. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Have you ever had a client do that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and no knocks on clients, right? I mean, it's no, just like it's we're just, all trying natural, to express ourselves. Right? And, and your if, head's stuck in your own game. Right. right. And if I don't, if I can't, if, if I don't have someone challenging me and say, no, we don't know what you mean. Can you use real words, you know? And the nice thing about the creative brief is it helps you to, you know, look through that and it helps you to, you know, manage the words. And I don't know about you, but when I, 
when I'm working with a creative, I want them to challenge my words because they're hearing a word in a different way. I'm going to change it to what they can hear because the brief is to make them successful, right? Yep. And so now you're creating, you've, you can create a SWOT analysis and, um, and then you can, you now have something in black and white, real words that mean something, black and white, logic, hmm. right? Literal to hand to your employees. I, you know what my quote should have been, Mike? What should it have been? If it's not literally true, it's just not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, so there are some cases I, where I it's like- I know what you mean in a figurative sense. Yeah, right. Figuratively, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but w w with a lot of these things, um, you know, we hand over a technical document and then we're not careful and we're not literal about it, you know? So the SWOT analysis is something we can test. Yep. So, um, so why does it all matter? It's a leadership document. It puts it in black and white and it helps you to evaluate truly who you are and what you're, what you're doing. So, but Mike, I'm going to ask you this question. Aren't the, isn't the SWOT analysis just for big businesses? Why <laughs> yeah, should because, I do a SWOT because analysis? Because only big businesses have strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. <laughs> Wait, you mean I could do one for me? You could totally do one for what you. What if I'm just looking for a job? That's a great opportunity. What? Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah, and there's threats to that. What if I'm a student? Uh, what are you trying to achieve as a student? Graduate. There you go. Find my career. Yeah. So you have personal strengths. Uh, you have strengths to the program that you're that you're about to embark on or that you are in the middle of. Okay. You have personal weaknesses that are going to get in the way. You have external distractions. What if I'm a tennis player and I'm I'm trying to figure out how to compete in my next match. Uh, I'd tell you to find a different sport because tennis is lame. <laughs> Dude, I played tennis in high school. Ah, I knew it. I Along knew with it. soccer. Man, Red Wings, soccer, was soccer and tennis. You're just, I don't know if we can be friends anymore, Chris. <sighs> All right, this podcast No, I'm, I'm joking. Everybody. I'm what? fine with tennis. People can play tennis. I wasn't good. Does that help? <laughs> that makes it worse. <laughs> that makes it worse. Wait, <laughs> you tried a sucky sport and you still were good? In the, in the weakness bracket, uh, yeah. I stink at this. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, I didn't play singles. I only played doubles because I wasn't good That's enough. cool. Um, but um, Doubles can be hard. Yeah, I guess so. It's a lot so, faster. Yeah. It's basically what you play if you don't play singles. True. So the top four will play like singles yeah. and then the next, what, eight will play doubles. Yeah. Okay. So anyway... um. Uh, so I was thinking more like matchups. Yep. SWAT. I mean, like, yep. right, so what are my strengths? A... What are that guy's weaknesses? What are his strengths? Yeah. How can I match? Like you were talking about, I mean, the example of Napoleon is perfect, right? Mm. It's like knowing yourself, right? What are you really strong in? Where yep. are you weak, right? Uh, hey, we're not disciplined. We don't do drills. We don't have the strength in numbers that our opponent has. Mm -hmm. Great. So you've identified your weaknesses. You've identified your strengths. We're really good at speed, right? We're good at, at uh, cavalry, uh, which I know he was. <laughs> um, and using those in, you know, and then identifying what the strengths and weaknesses of your opponent are. So, right. you know, take that to a tennis match, right? It's the same thing, right? Attack the weaknesses, bolster your own strengths, um, find the opportunities that are that are there that are different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I can go back to an example of NBA Finals. I can't stop talking about it. Um, That's okay. The Cavs. It's still fresh for the everybody. Cavaliers last year. Identified a weakness on the Golden State Warriors, and that is that the lack of Kevin Durant. <laughs> Some might say that. I don't. I don't know if I'd agree. Um, I think they actually found that when they were able to 
take out Draymond Green from the game, whether it was through foul trouble or or a double technical, which got him tossed from the game, and eventually like he missed a whole game, he got suspended from the next game for I think a flagrant and a technical or something like that. Um, they found that Draymond Green is really the like emotional heart of the Golden State Warriors. Hmm. That he is an emotionally passionate player. He he wears his emotions right on his sleeves. And he kind of mixes things up with guys, right? He kind of – he's very physical. But when he's not there, Golden State loses their physicality. Ah. And they tried it again this year. Game four, they almost got him tossed again. Hmm. And I think someone over on the, on the Cavs – Either you know, either it's LeBron, <laughs> who's basically a de facto coach. Uh, sorry, Tyron Lue. <laughs> I know you want to think you're the coach, but you're not. Uh, man, I feel so bad for that guy. Um, or someone on the coaching staff sat down and did a SWOT analysis of Golden State. Mm. They probably did it last year, and I think they took the same playbook and, and reevaluated it with Kevin Durant now, and, and they f- probably found the exact same weakness on because they were the, on the only goal- team that won once against yep. golden state golden state had a they 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 were unbeaten in the playoffs they won every single they freaking playoff game until the second straight, to last game they won 15 straight playoffs games and prior to that they hadn't lost a game since february in the regular season you kidding me i'm not kidding you dang it's just powerhouse team and the fact that like the Cavs were even to pull out one win and a pretty like decisive like I think they played probably the most perfect game they could have played against mm. Golden State, um, and Golden State was not playing well. And some of that well, was they Golden got in their State head. might have wanted to go back home too because yeah, I mean, you like, see all that. I mean, you, 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 you that, wouldn't throw but, a game, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if I was in Golden State's shoes, like I'd rather just close it out. Yeah, but at the same time, it's hard to beat somebody whose back is against the wall in their on their home court. Like that's True. just incredibly hard. So anyway, but that's True. getting off off topic, but. Yeah. You know, SWOT analysis is so easy to see, I think, in competitive arenas like sports or war. Um, And there is a sense where, you know, business is competitive. I don't know that it's the same kind of competitiveness. Like, yeah, are there businesses out there that look to just crush people and crush their competition? Yeah, to some some degree. But, I mean, like, I know in our own, like, in the, the agency world in Arizona, Agencies are not out looking to kill each other. Um, in fact, I'd say there's probably more collaboration than there is comp- like direct, like antagonistic competition. Mm-hmm. But there's an underlying like we're all competing. You know, sure. at the end of the game, we're all going to shake hands and we're going to like be really cool and maybe even hang out later. But we're all like you know during the day <laughs> when it's business time, uh, whatever time that is, <laughs> we got the laptops open. Uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're competing against each other and it's, it's important. Like, I think you have to have that analysis of like, where are we strong? Where are we weak? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? Mm-hmm. And then what are these other opportunities that are out there? Um, well, and, and right now you're talking about more like opportunity cost, right? Yep. So you're talking about like, so David Ricardo, this, um, this, uh, old, um, He's from the night in the 1900s. Um, he was a, a economist. He had this idea of um, the, your opportunity cost is basically your. Um, oh, sorry, opportunity cost. What was I saying your comparative is your comparative advantage is basically the area where you have the lowest opportunity cost. So yep. in other words, um, if Michael Jordan were the fastest typist, and I got this from the uh, Library of Economics and Liberty, by the way, <laughs> um, one of these articles. And um, Michael Jordan can be the fastest typist, 
Um, but he's also, you know, a great, when he was a great basketball player, um, you still wouldn't, he still shouldn't ever type. Yep. Because uh, the opportunity cost of it's typing too is too high yep. because he should be playing basketball. And so, um, and so that's what you're trying to find out too. You're not necessarily trying to destroy anybody else, but you're trying to find the place you fit. Yep. So whether you're, um, so the college student idea is, is, is a good, that's a good analog for that because you're trying to find where you fit. You want to know like, what major should I choose? And then once I choose a major, how, how do I approach that? What are my strengths in approaching that major? Right? So where am I going to likely work with that kind of major? Cause in advertising, Oh my gosh, you could work in so many places, yep. right? I mean, you're a storyteller, you know, you, you know, or a business, you could run a nonprofit that has nothing to do with, you know, a corporation, which is usually what business schools teach you to work in a corporation. Yep. It's easiest to train to, but, but, um, you know, and so, and so the SWOT analysis really helps you to know where you fit. Yep. You're, 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 that's good. That's so good. Yeah. And I comparative advantage, right. Yep. You know, and so, um, as a company, the same thing. So, uh, next question. Um, so, so it's not just for big business then we've established that, uh, shouldn't, but here's, here's another you know, another question, shouldn't we move first and ask questions later? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we just move and be agile and be nimble and just like iterate or why do a SWOT analysis? And why not just jump out there and do like what everybody else is doing? Cause you'll waste Only better. a lot of time and money. Yeah. I mean, that's like walking into your, you know, doing your investment pitch to your first investors and they say, okay, well show us what you got. What's your product? Who's your market? Why, why should I give you money? And you just say, oh, we'll figure out that later. Right. Are they ever going to give you any money? Probably no. not. Cause no. <laughs> like, so like there's a level of like, I think more people do this than they realize. Right. Right. Like at some point you started your business and somewhere in that you went, is this legitimate? Right. Is this something I really should be doing? Now, did you do a thorough SWOT analysis? Probably not. Right. But you at least went, people want what I have, so I'm going to do it, right? That at some level is a SWOT analysis. There's mm -hmm. an opportunity. Right. You have a strength in an area, a service area. You probably weren't counting on your weaknesses. Like you probably didn't, didn't do a lot of analysis around that. Right. Um, you probably overestimated your strengths. <laughs> you probably overestimated the opportunities and weren't defined and focused enough on them. And, and didn't acknowledge all the threats. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think there is a sense and you might disagree, I don't know, that SWAT is not something you graduate from. Oh, so right. you don't do it once and then never do it again. It's like one of those like you start it, you start with it, and then you do it again. And then you do some more work, you you know, you you execute and then you come back and you go, What's what's the SWAT look like? Has it changed at all? And you so, it mm. is iterative in itself, but you have to I mean, every process has to start with something, right? So clearly you didn't read the notes. No, I didn't. Because, <laughs> because that's that actually far. in there. Yay! But um, everybody, Mike is irresponsible. But he did buy me buy me tacos today for lunch, so I don't know if I should be saying that. I did buy you tacos. I think you bought penance. I think I did. Like, I think I paid my penance. And so it's as if you're absolved. So that's I awesome. So um, so I, I, I take that back. So I take that all back. <laughs> but I agree with you. I totally agree with you. It's it's um. Uh, it's one of the, one of the key mistakes you can make with the SWOT analysis. And you see that with, um, consultants all the time. Mm. I've seen a lot of consultants, um, deliver SWOT analyses and they're not prioritized and they don't seem to be reduced. 
So they might still call something a strength when they say that the competition does the same thing really well. And it's like, which is it? <laughs> you know? And so, um, and so they're not doing the logical work, you know, yep. to, to make it make sense and make it really apply. And so it's kind of frustrating because I'm like, okay, no wonder consultants have a bad name because I'm kind of a consultant, right? Yep. So like consultants now have a bad name because these consultants don't, don't actually um, do the work that, that makes this theory apply to the everyday. Yep. So I'm totally with you on that. So let's talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the uh, SWOT analysis itself. So, um, and, and add where you, where you want to add. I'm just going to be real, real brief about this. But so a SWOT analysis is a quad chart. It has yep. four sections. It's like, you know, four squares and a big square. So um, the top left is strengths. Top right is weaknesses. Bottom is opportunities and then threats. Awesome. So um, top part is internal inside mm -hmm. your organization or inside your person, you know, yep. and then the bottom part is outside. Yep. Strengths are what you do well. Uh, weaknesses are things that you don't do well right now. Um, opportunities are things outside that, you know, like, oh, okay, well, if we're good at these things and even though we're bad at these things, we can still do these things, opportunities. And then, um, and then uh, threats are things that might get in the way. So like, um, like, uh, environmental factors, um, maybe economic factors, and then uh, potentially, um, you know, like competition, right? Yep. Direct and indirect. And so <clears throat> what would you add to that? Anything or is that a fair assessment? No, that's a very, that's a good summary. Okay, cool. So um, so what are some easy mistakes to make, Mike, uh, with the SWOT analysis? What are some like rookie mistakes you can make? Well, according to the notes... <laughs> Doing it only <laughs> once. <laughs> we yeah, I didn't plan that, guys. But, but um, yeah, I, I think I made my point now. Right? You did make your point. <laughs> I right. will never again not read the notes. So I mean, you know, so so my thing is like, look, you, you're doing this only once. I used to have my students do. I mean, we're doing we're talking advertising here, and they're doing SWOT analyses on their client, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Um, and, and they would do like, they would do an overall SWOT analysis and then be like, okay, but you're talking about communication, right? So you're focusing on communication. So what are the strengths of communication? What's the SWOT analysis for the communication of this organization, right? And so you can use it on operations. You can drill down on operations and say, what are our, what are our strengths and weaknesses compared to other, you know, you can really use this flexibly. But I think my point is like, do you? Why would you do it only once? Did you not learn anything from the process? <laughs> Did you not like have any questions when you went through the switch? Did you already know everything? Yeah. Either you're superhuman and and you uh, you there is nothing more for you to learn, or you're not being very thoughtful about it, or you just need to do it a bunch of times like the rest of us, right? Yeah. And so, well, and stuff changes too. Stuff changes, yeah. So you learn stuff. Stuff changes, and you learn stuff. And so, um, did you not learn anything? Did you have all the answers already? Did you not need to do any research? You do a SWOT analysis. You come up with questions, and then you need to go out and you know. I mean, those questions demand answers, right? Yeah. And this is essential to who you are. The SWOT analysis. So I want to know, like, what are my assumptions? You know, in here, you circle your biggest assumptions, highlight them, prioritize them, and then go out and do research. Uh, it should have helped you organize a lot. Hmm. And so, okay, so number two is um, uh, easiest mistakes to make is when you're talking about threats, you forget about your indirect competition. I, I feel like this. that's a big. Yep, that's a huge one, right? We all think competition, you got to think about your competition. And we're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, well, it's the comp, you know, all the companies that are in our same space that sell the exact same thing. Right. Well, that's great. You know, that's one level. But 
what about all the other things that compete for the attention of the people you're talking to? Right. Like, like one of the big things is doing nothing. Yep. They don't buy anything. Yep. And that's one of the biggest uh, areas of uh, indirect competition you can have. Yep. So, so you like, need to educate. You need yeah. to convince people that they have a problem that's big enough that they need to move on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, so, so, so that's where you get to like, okay, what do they need to know? And yep. so it goes back to like the creative brief, the, um, what do they need to think or feel in order to get them yep. to do what you're asking them to do? And so, I have, um, I have one more on this too. Yes. For, for not, for have time. Go, go for it. This was a great example of indirect competition. Engage. Engage. Yes. Um, I heard, uh, and I, I don't remember who it was. I know it was at a conference about a year ago. But he made a comment about there is attention competition for our customers, especially in the crazy digitally like content heavy world that we live in, um, where there are competitors to our products and services that we don't even realize are competitors. For and he gave an example I thought was really it was helpful and clarifying on this. Um, so consider Pizza Hut or Domino's if you prefer, and uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to take that back. Consider Uber and Netflix, right? So when most people say those two names, they would not consider them in competition, right? They don't sell anything that's similar to right. each other. Totally different right? markets. Streaming video, get from point A to point B by ride sharing. Totally different use cases. Totally different think. use cases. But think about this. The underlying products of what they are Netflix wants you. What do they want you to do on Friday night? They want you to stay home. They want you to stay home. And what does Uber uh, want you to do on Friday night? They want you to not stay home. They want you to not stay home. <laughs> and so they actually are in competition with one another. And in fact, that actually gives both of them a really clear way to view that they would not be good partners. Right. If they were right. to do a cross-promotion deal... They would actually be competing with each other. Right. Versus Netflix. Competing with themselves. Yeah, they'd yeah. be competing with themselves because right. intrinsically one wants you to stay home and one wants you to go out and party. Right. They're not go complimentary goods. They're not. Or services. Pizza Hut and Netflix are complimentary services. Yeah. Pizza Hut wants to deliver a pizza to your house. They want to get you a pizza to your house without you They leaving. want you to not leave. They want house. you to not leave your house and order pizza. Yeah. And Netflix wants you to not leave your house and watch television. And guess what goes really well together? Streaming video and pizza. Yeah. I can, I can tell you from personal experience that streaming video and pizza go really well Sitting together. your butt on the couch <laughs> and not moving. While, Anything that supports that. While chowing down. Improves on that experience. Cheesy, right. saucy, bread. Greasy. Oh. Mm. oh, it's the best. With marinara, with the oh, you yeah, you dip it in the marinara. I'm, I'm partial to the garlic sauce. Yeah, thank oh. you, Papa John's. Garlic sauce is yeah, good. It's sauce. legit. That makes the crust garlic go butter. down. That, oh yeah, that garlic yeah. butter. <laughs> yeah, it just like slides down. <laughs> and I'm sure it's not real butter. I don't know what that stuff is, but yeah, it'll probably kill me. But does it matter? Do you care when you're when you're watching Netflix when it's going down? Sitting on you your don't couch, care. you don't care. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good example. So. Uh, don't forget about indirect competition. What's the third thing, Mike, in that list? So don't do it all. Having short-term thinking. Um, so the the response might be, this is this sounds great in theory, but we can't do this right now. 
The SWOT analysis, too much work to do. Right too now. much work. It's too, we can't think we have to do. Yeah. Right? It's too big, uh, too much of a risk, too big of a challenge. This is taking too long. Not we're, worth the amount of time we're going to have to put into it. We're learning too much. This is taking too long. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is too effective. <laughs> it's demonstrating that we could be even better, like yeah. a lot better. And, you know, so let's stop, you know. Um, it also can represent change and yep. like realizing things that we don't necessarily yep. prepared to deal with, right? Yeah, and, and I think I have two responses. One is change is always hard, mm -hmm. right? And change is the only thing that will produce a different outcome, right? So right. If, if the outcomes right Back now... Back to Einstein. If the outcomes right now are not what you want or they're not going in great, then change, right? right. Um, the second is you don't have to bite off the entire elephant in one bite. Right, true. Break it down, right? So if the answer is, well, this just seems too big, maybe you need to take one more step right? and start, okay, this is where we need to get to, right? These are our strengths, these are our weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, mm -hmm. and this delivers an outcome that we want to get to. Right. That seems really ambitious. We can't do that in two years or three years. Maybe we can do it in five to ten. Mm. That's a great goal. That's right. a great thing to to shoot for. But now that comes like analysis paralysis, right? Where it's like yeah. it's too big. I don't know how to eat the whole elephant in five right. years. Start chunking it down. You don't lose the elephant, right? right. You don't lose the end objective and start eating something else, the salad. Right, right. right? You, may, you may adjust your approach to that, and you will adjust your approach. And so there was this quote I saw this morning. I actually shared it on Facebook, and it was like, it's first time I'd seen it, but it was like plans. Plans are are, are useless. Planning is essential. Douglas MacArthur, I believe. I think it might have been General yeah. Douglas MacArthur. I'm pretty um, sure it was it's either yeah. him or Eisenhower. Uh, yeah, because I've used yeah. that quote before. Right. Oh, it's it's amazing because and yeah. and I actually commented. I was like I was like, no, this is brilliant because um, von Clausewitz said. Um, no, no plans. No plan survives first contact with the enemy, right? Yep. And then Mike Tyson popularized that. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right? <laughs> so that's the same thing. It's like the planning part though prepares yes. you to make to make all kinds of adjustments yep. um, according to the depth of your planning, your depth of understanding. And the Germans call it uh, Fingerspitzengefühl, right? Fingertip feel. <laughs> when you have these this ability to understand the whole, right? You can tell I'm study a little bit of war. A little bit. Um, when you have uh, when you, when you've done so much strategy work that you have and you know your troops, I mean it goes beyond just strategy work, but um, where you you really have a good feel of things and you're not striving to make a decision, but you're yeah. sensing. You know, it's yeah. almost like a sensory type deal, and it is really supportive of leadership when you can get to that point. Yeah, there's only two ways to build intuition. One is through experience, right? Mm. Practical experience. Yeah, you do something over and over. If you shoot a basketball over and over and over and over and over and over. You don't have to think about shooting. Muscle you, memory. You just have to intuit, I'm this far from the basket. Right. My defender is this close to me. He's jumping this high with his hand in my face. This is how high. This is the arc I need to put on the ball in order to get it in. Right. Right. But you're not thinking consciously about all of those factors. You're intuiting it. Right. Because you've done it over and over and over and over and over again. Right. There's one other way to build intuition. And that is, and this is, this is why SWAT works. Is because you study. Mm. You study, 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 study. And when you know the information and you have the knowledge and you've, you've planned over and over and over and over, right, you're in essence building experience you don't actually have yet. 
That's awesome. And I love that because one of the things I would, um, one of the things that the students were required to do in my classes were make decisions because mm-hmm. I was realizing like they're, they don't want to make decisions. And, um, that's why I would tell them, we talked earlier about writing the conclusion at the beginning. So it was a story yeah. because I wanted to see them draw a conclusion. And every time they made a decision, they were committing to something. And so now they're, they became more experienced mm-hmm. and they became more confident. Yeah. The more, the more decisions they made in stuff that they would turn into me in the class, right? Before they even got out in the real world, real world. No, they were in the real world because they were making decisions they were forced yep. to, you know? And so when they, when they do that, so it's like when you say study, what I'm hearing you say is, is gather information, but test that information yep. and own that information. Yes. And that's what you get to do with a SWOT analysis is you're owning the information because you're categorizing. Yep. And so even when they would do a SWOT analysis and they had like, say, three strengths or whatever, I'd ask them to prioritize. Don't give me any bullet. Like, I almost never accepted bullet lists from my students. You know, <laughs> it had to be a numbered list if possible. Yeah. Because if they didn't give me a numbered list, then they weren't understanding what they were giving me. And and it was it was a mess. And so I'm just like, we'll make more decisions. Yeah. More decisions, more decisions, more decisions, you know. Yeah. And so I feel like that gave them a lot of, and I, so I love that you say that because it just kind of like goes with that. It's like, okay, I was doing the right thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. So what, what are some rules to live by with a SWOT analysis? Do you want to go first or sure. you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. And I think this is, this is critical. So doing the SWOT before you do the research, <clears throat> right? You can't be a scientist and not have an hypothesis before you go and test. Right. And gather data. You right. have to make some kind of assumption first. And the SWAT is your assumption, right? And I have a great example for that. So you ever, um, you ever in school, like you go to do a report or something, and then you end up looking on the internet. And well, some of us <laughs> didn't have the internet in school, but in college, but um, but uh, but but then you just start like looking around, and you start, oh, that's interesting. And then pretty soon you're like, wait a second, is this even related yep. to what I'm to what I'm trying to find out? But by by creating that working hypothesis, you're actually directing your research before you start. You yep. write down your research questions and then, um, and then you check in and you write, you, you, you re you readjust, you adjust your, your working hypothesis based on the research you've done. Yep. And that can help you learn. Right. Yep. Plus it'll also, uh, we talked about this, I think it was earlier in this session or it was the last podcast. We talked about best practices, right. And mm-hmm. the danger of best practices. <laughs> And I think that's also another caveat to why you do the SWOT first. It's why you take the self-assessment first mm. before you do the research. Nice Because time. then you will, you will be less likely to just copy right. and regurgitate what others are doing mm-hmm. in order to uh, – because you have some foundation of like, okay, we think these are our strengths. These are our weaknesses. These are the opportunities. These are the threats out there. Right. Right? So as you're formulating those without doing a lot of research yet, you now have a baseline, right. right? So that when you see the best practice or you see that other company doing that thing or you see this other opportunity that other people are chasing, you can then reevaluate and say, okay, well, that's great that they're chasing it. Is that something we should be chasing? Because mm-hmm. it might not be. Right. Because it may not fit with our strengths and weaknesses. Right. Right. So it shouldn't even make the opportunity list. Right. And it, and it goes back to matchups too because um, it, all this stuff is so related. I love it. But like the Oregon Ducks, right? That's where I went to school. So the Ducks, um, they're known known for speed, right? Mm-hmm. And once they got momentum, they just run up the score, right? And um, but what if they just decided, like, you know, well, you know, we're built for speed and everything, and we can't. I think it kind of came from not being able to recruit the biggest, strongest, uh, like linemen and stuff like that. So they had to be fast. 
and um and it ended up becoming a strength but what if they would have said like well you know but but you know we have this we have the strength but everybody else is doing this other thing and it seems to be working for a lot of people so let's just kind of like get into that and you know we'll just do what everybody else is doing like they wouldn't have gone to the first playoffs mm-hmm. in the you know and they, they wouldn't have had such success despite being not having the biggest lineman yep. you know they changed they changed how you know hurry up offense they changed how football's played a little bit you know i mean every yep. team does that when they're you know and so uh so and 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 this puts logic by by putting your working hypothesis at the beginning it puts logic in front of the process and so no longer am i being led around by a statistic that i don't even know if i it means what they're saying it means right yep. um the summary statistic but um i'm actually saying no i'm the leader here i'm 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 taking responsibility you know in this brand as the leader and so if this goes wrong it's on me it's not on someone else i'm not putting this on some study and statistic i'm saying i'm going to be in control of this process and i'm it's i'm going to take responsibility i'm going to man up and own this you know to use a use a, a phrase if you're a woman of course you woman up or however you say it. point <laughs> is you take responsibility yep. right and and you don't make excuses hmm. i love it what's the next thing oh i guess i it's my turn it's your turn, it's Chris. turn. okay um what you don't do is you don't reduce your strengths by finding competition whose strengths are better than you. Redefine or cancel out those strengths. Um, the point the point being is that um, you're trying to find a place you can lead. So when you're do, doing your SWOT analysis, you don't want to have a strength. And we kind of covered this, but yep. you don't want to have a strength um, to say, oh, yeah, we're, we're good at service. you know. <laughs> and then you find out that someone else does service better than you, but yep. then you still leave service up there. Yep. No, don't compete on that. Yep. And if you are going to try to compete on service, make sure you that better win. Well, yeah, but make sure that's definitely true, but make sure that you're defining service in such yes, a way that, that, good. that is competitively advantageous. Yeah. So if you're like your service. service, well, okay, well, we'll answer the phones faster yeah, or something like that, that, you know, that they're not saying, yep. oh, they're not doing or not saying, yep. because by the way, and it's a communication thing, if someone else is not saying it, then, and you're the one who's saying it, people are going to believe you. Yep. The thing you're talking about, the one thing you choose to talk about, unless you choose to talk about everything good, right? <laughs> then you're back to square one again. Okay. That, so that can be very convincing. Um, Mike, unless you have something to add, what is the next one? So the next one is make purposeful decisions about your weaknesses. Uh, okay. And I like this. So don't just ignore all of them, like own your, own your weaknesses. I think that's the first part of that, right? Mm. You can't just ignore your weaknesses. Okay. Um, and say, oh, well, whatever, we're weak in this area, but we're not going to even like think about it. We're not going to state it. We're not going to acknowledge that it exists. True. Um, But you also can't fix all of them. Right. And I think like in my own personal life, this is true too, where it's like, I think it's easy to say, okay, I'm strong in these areas and I'm really weak in this laundry list of areas. I'm going to work on increasing each one of these weaknesses to like mediocre. Right. Right. From poor to mediocre. Well, that doesn't intrinsically make you better at anything. Right. <laughs> it just makes you a little less crappy at these things. Right. And so, like, there might be some some key weaknesses that you can shore up easily, but the amount of effort you have to put into making weaknesses into strengths is almost, like, worthless, right? right. Like, it's just – you get to a point where it's, like, you're going to put so much energy into turning that that weakness and, and moving the bar so far. And the reality is you probably can't, mm-hmm. Right. There's a reason it's a weakness. Right. There's probably intrinsic challenges within your company culture, within your your 
the, the processes you've built for your business um, that, yeah, maybe you can tweak some of them and, and incrementally raise them a little bit, but you're not going to get them like from ground floor to like, oh, they're not all of a sudden one of your major strengths. Right. Um, so, so, so an example, I mean, I think there are some companies who have just said, we're not going to do those things yeah, anymore. Yeah. Get rid of them. Yeah. Just, like, and, and, and they've gone under fire and they've been really successful companies. And now I'm trying to think of one of them. So I, I have one example. It's not a well-known company, okay. um, but I'm going to do a little book plug right now for okay. a book called Maverick, okay. um, written by Ricardo Semler from Brazil. Okay. And he inherited a company called Semco from his dad in the early 80s. And he tried to run the business in a traditional corporate sense for about three years, and it almost killed him because mm. he was traveling like crazy and trying to make all these huge acquisition deals and Ended up putting him in the hospital on multiple trips, um, and his body was just totally like, you're pushing us to the max, and we're done. Um, and his company wasn't doing great either. Wow. Um, and he ended up, um, through a t about a decade-long process, converting the company from a more traditional uh, top-down approach to leadership where, you know, like there's the, there's the CEO or owner – and then there's like the core leadership management team and then there's everyone else, right? right? And it was like, I think at the time when when he first started this process, they had, I think, at least seven layers between the most ground four employee to him. Right. Okay. And over the course of 10 years, they reduced that to three. Right. So they, they basically- They flattened. They flattened the company. Right. They pushed a lot of decision making down the ladder, gave people more responsibility and more, more sh share of ownership of- of controlling the company, mm -hmm. making decisions. And it's, uh, I mean, just tremendous growth. I mean, the outcome was just like huge. They went from, I think, a $100 million company to um, like a, a billion dollar company in that 10 year span. Wow. And one of the things that was really interesting that happened is that in that process, there was also a huge economic downturn in Brazil that killed a lot of their competition. And that probably helped them, but they were able to survive it because they jettisoned almost all their production. They, they they outsourced it. They outsourced it to their current employees. They gave them financial incentives to quit or basically say like take the layoff and we will we will pay you good severance if you will take on production as a separate entity. Brilliant. And they gave them really low cost loans to get the equipment that they needed. I would say wait, I I, I say brilliant, but you know, it depends on whether they're successful or not. They were super and successful. They were. And so what awesome. happened is they, they basically transitioned from a manufacturing company to, an, to a design and engineering company. And now they're almost explicitly a consulting firm. Nice. Because all of that stuff was distributed out to other people who are like, you know what? Honestly, these people are better at it. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it for us as employees. They'll do an even better job when they actually own the business that they're running. So, Okay. That's that's awesome. I have another example too. All right. What about um? Well, when when uh, Apple made the decision not to, to support Flash. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that, and I thought, okay, so you're losing functionality, right? And yep. that's like it wouldn't seem to be a good best practice, but it was just kind of like we're going to simplify. Yep. And so instead of offering what everybody thought they should, and I know there are some other examples too. I'm just not thinking of them right now, but like companies that have stopped doing a service, and they just said we're not going to do that that yep. service anymore. We're just going to be really good at this other thing that you're going to really love, you know, yep. like maybe Papa, Papa Murphy's might be an example, <laughs> but I mean, um, 
well, like, I mean, Google has recently jettisoned from Google, from the primary Google company, they've jettisoned all their big, like, future-focused R&D projects, mm. right? They created Alphabet to kind of hold these other companies that were not focused on search engine, YouTube, um, AdWords, like kind of the core competencies of Google. Right. And what happened was it has focused Google as a company because they're no longer chasing, you know, all these different R&D projects that really aren't related to one another in an intrinsic sense. Now, granted, they're all still kind of tied together with Alphabet, but sure. it also changed the the, the P&Ls for all those companies, too. And so it put more responsibility on these R&D projects to actually come up with oh, profitable projects sure. um, and kind of hold their own, right, and not just suck money from Google and and basically turn Google into a, a financing machine. Yeah, yeah, and then that, that's super important because it helps you account for, like, yep. you know, like you, you see what's going in and out. And, yeah. Man, that's a that's a problem for like counting the costs is a huge problem for a lot of yeah. And you're you more, probably more quickly identify like, hey, this is something that is going to hurt us in the long run, right? right. Like, yeah, we can chase it and maybe it'll make some money, but it's also going to draw resources from the rest of our core competencies. Right. So I want to add something about making decisions about weaknesses. So the first thing is, um, uh, you mentioned you know not trying to fix all your weaknesses, and the other thing is like I want to add that. Don't try to ignore all your weaknesses either because there might no. be some that you want to, you know, you, so you have to decide, like, do I fix it? Um, do we uh, strategize around it or do we outsource it? Yeah, I, I, love your, another... I love your framework. Outsource, improve, or avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, and so so that's that's a mistake, the key mistake that a lot of people make when they do the SWAT. Um, and, but these are also things that you learn as you do the SWAT. If we never told you any of this stuff and you just decided, hey, you know, we're going to do a SWAT and we're going to commit, it you will figure it out because you're going to be like, wait, why this? Or why wouldn't we? Oh, and you're going to start learning these things. I'm just trying to wet your app. You know, we're, yeah. ju- we're just trying to like make you a little bit hungry and say, yeah. you know what? Let's do the SWAT analysis. Let's, let's, let's. And it's like a fraction. That's what I love about the SWAT is it's like a fraction because in the end, you should only have one strong strength. Yep if you really do this well and if you're really honest with yourself. Um, but you could be dishonest with yourself. And usually people who are dishonest with themselves, they're not going to do this lot. They're not even going to worry. Yeah. You know, they're not going to do it. So um, the first test is uh, if you're serious about being honest is, are you even doing the SWAT? Mm-hmm. And are you running it by other people? Does it make sense to them? Yep. You know? So anyway, so uh, uh, what's the – okay, and there's a bonus. <laughs> bonus round. Bonus. Uh, what do you call these? Bonus. Uh, yes, the bonus rules to live by because we gave you three and we can't just give you four. We have to give you three plus a bonus. <laughs> it's like a rule of advertising or something, right? Yeah. Uh, some some kind of – anyway, so – That sounds like a best practice, Chris. Yes, true. It could be a best practice. I think I think we should jettison that best practice. Yeah. All right. Forget you it. You have you four don't get points the bonus. in your essay. Nobody gets the bonus. Nobody. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So the bonus is prioritize opportunities, mm. right? I mean – um, this isn't something that should be super apocryphal. It's not, you know, anything hidden or anything, but, um, prioritize everything, right? I mean, this is strategy work. Yep. If you can't prioritize it, you need to ask more questions about it. Right. Yep. And so prioritize everything. Um, you can't prioritize either. Don't know your goals well enough or your situation well enough. Um, and if you don't know those things, you just need to ask more questions. And sometimes you don't know how. And that's why you have friends. That's why you have mentors. That's why you have a network and um, colleagues, you know, people who can ask, um, help you 
work through these questions. Hmm. Um, I think if there's one more thing, I'd just be like, you know, other people, just like with anything, it's just other people, <laughs> you know, we need yep. other people like you help me so much, mm. you know, personally. And, um, and, and we need other people. We need to run things by, yep. we need to know how to do that. We need to know how to give that as well. So, um, anyway, uh, so the demo, do we have time for the demo? It is getting close to it's getting close. Um, let's, the, the, let's do it real quick. All right. Let's just do, um, let's do, uh, let's do a demo that exposes the strengths versus threats. Okay. How you reduce that. You want to just do part of the demo? Yep. So what are some Arizona strengths? Uh, cost of living is low. Yeah, it's true. Cost of living is low. So that's a strength, low cost of living. Um, what are some other strengths? Warm weather in the, in the, in the winter time. Warm weather. Warm in the winter. All year long. Yeah. Um... What else? Oh, sunshine all the freaking time. Yeah. So it's kind of related to the weather, but man, yep. who can't appreciate sunshine all the time? Blue sky, sunsets. Oh my goodness. Yep. Sunsets. Beautiful um, landscapes. Landscapes, colors. Uh, there is a rugged individualism mm -hmm. about the culture, you know, especially where I live. We have like, you know, it's in... It's uh, Queen Creek, so it's like you got Santan Valley, you got Chandler, and you got a bunch of old ranching there, and that's got to influence the culture. And there's a lot of people who are a lot more like they're just like we're gonna do it on our own. We'll we'll get our you know, get all greasy and our our elbows you know bloody or whatever, and we'll just get it done, right? Kind of yep. thing. So there's a kind of like that rugged ruggedness. Um, anything else we should add to this? I feel like um, we, we can. Yeah, I'd add one more, which is just there's a lack of general regulation. Okay. Which, I mean, like, for instance, like, I think we're one of the easiest states to start a business in. Okay. It, like, costs you, like, 20 bucks, and it's, like, one form you have to fill out. That's definitely a strength. That's, you know. Compared to, like, Germany. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, or California. Or it's like you have to pay off a politician. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know where my 20 bucks is going. So. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Maybe the cost of living is so low, the politicians can take a $20 payoff. And... Ease of incorporation. Yeah. Well, so, Starting we'll, we'll use some nice uh, buzzwordy terms there. That's, that's appreciate that. Someone somewhere is screaming. That's a best practice right there. Use the, use the biggest sound of words you can. Um, should we move on to threats? Let's so, do some threats, yeah. Um, so, we, you know, there are some weaknesses, there are some opportunities, but how you use a strength is um, you compare it with threats once yep. again, right? And so and then you allow those two things to work against each other to where you have a smaller list of each thing. Yep. And maybe you even have only one or zero threats now because your strength is so unique because mm -hmm. you've worked it over so much and reduced it so well. Yep. So threats would be um, – uh, who, who beach. Lack of beach. Lack of beach. Um, so lack of beach. Um, the uh, I was also thinking like with the weather, what else has nice weather? San freaking Diego. Yeah. That's what I was thinking on the beach, like San yes. Diego or, you know, West Coast. San Diego, um, you know, Florida maybe. Yep. Uh, um, who competes with us with uh, – with, ease of incorporation or business maybe texas texas um we are so this goes under the weakness category but i think it leads to a threat we are not perceived as cool 
or trendy or so like Portland and Seattle kind of have this like vibe that's like if you're a cool company, you want to be there. Right. Right. Because Nike's there. Boeing's there. Microsoft, Amazon. Everyone's kind of in that Pacific Northwest area because it's kind of hipstery and, and cool. Yeah, totally. Coming from Portland, I, I, I very, you know, I was going to say pretentious, but no, that, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm putting, I'm actually, I, I know this, Portland and Seattle, if you want to pick specific locales. But. And I want to say that's the, something to do with business because I would otherwise call that a weakness. That yeah, I'm trying to cool. like see how it extrapolates out as like, what is the threat? What's that thing that's threatening Arizona. Yeah. And so, but according to our strengths, that's not a threat because we didn't list cool as one of our strengths, right? No. Trendy. But we could. No, we couldn't. No, it's not. A, it's not. <laughs> it's not a strength. Uh, but, we, but we could list like um, like uh, uh, attractive to business. This is, wow, this is really good. We could say attractive to business. And then in, in um, threats, we could say like other places that are that are attractive. And then what we do this is a great example of having to go back then and say, okay, this other, Portland, Seattle, very attractive for business. Um, well, then in what way are we more attractive? And that's when we start getting into like um, the uh, Tuft and Needle and these other companies that are deciding to come here instead of those other places. Mm-hmm. And then figuring out why why is that? And then creating an identity that might help us, a- allowing the identity to surface that says, oh, it's because there a certain type of business would be really good here. And that's when we're now we have our audience to find further. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so that's a great, that's a great um, way to play those against each other. I think. So, um, so immediately now, should we start analyzing a little bit and kind of, yep. cause I mean, I think we could go longer, but um, so I feel like with sunshine all the time, um, beautiful landscapes, we do have that um, competition with San Diego do we do we say that uh or like San Diego, Florida, um do we say that um like what what do we do? Do we just cross it off, Mike, or do we um do we Well, so here's one thing. If you live in Southern California, you don't want a vacation in Southern California. Do you come to Phoenix? You might come to Phoenix. <laughs> oh yeah, Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon? Okay. Um, we're talking about businesses though, mostly. All right, right? so if we're going to go business side. Okay. Yeah, I think they cross each other off. Unless you're looking at something specific, like I could see how maybe... Like geography might play into that. So like, for instance, farming is easier here than coastal Southern California. Okay. Because they're... Their um, soil just doesn't really. Work. So soil, okay. The um, so that's like geographical. And it's flat here. Um, yeah. The uh, the other thing I was thinking though, you made me think, and I was thinking like, you could play golf here in the wintertime better than most places because um, even if they're warm, like Florida might be warm, or yeah. they still get a lot of rain. They do. A ton and of rain. Super humid. Yeah, it's humid. It's a dry heat. It's a dude. There's something to be said for that, yep. right? So, um, and so you could, and so I think what we're saying, right, is that we're 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 working these things against each other, and we're rationalizing yep. it out. We're trying to figure out, and we're getting somewhere. We're understanding real truths, and if you can, whoever understands the truth well enough, like Sun Tzu said, Sun Tzu say, <laughs> if you know yourself and you know your enemy, 
Hmm. You don't need to fear the result of a hundred battles, hmm. right? If you know your enemy, so he goes on and says, if you know yourself and not your enemy, um, yeah, if you know your enemy and not yourself or whatever, victory will be long and coming or something like that. So the, um, the point being is know yourself and know your, and I take that to mean know your, who you're negotiating with as well, right? Because even in negotiation, you look at the art of war, you do a SWOT analysis and you say, hey, they want this and I want this. Hey, let's help each other, right? So even if you're doing business with a client, you could do a SWOT analysis between me and a client just so I can understand where I really shine for them. And where they can really like, um, you know, uh, well, usually it's like they have a checkbook, you know. <laughs> so, no, but also like, no, but think about this. Like, no, they're a good brand, man. Mm. My portfolio is going to be better and I'm going to further build the kinds of clients that I want to work with. Yep. Clients that are doing the right things, right, yep. that I can really believe in. Like I could be their, I could be their agency for the next 10 years and I'd be so happy, right? Yep. And so you could do a SWOT analysis even with people you're, you're, you want to work with. Yep. Right. It's just, just to understand like how the, how you match up. And so you can know where you provide value. Right. Or what about a job? Yep. You want to work somewhere, you know? And so when I read, um, the art of war first, I was in, I think I was in grad school and, um, I was like, wow, this applies to communication. Hmm. You know, everything applies to communication, except for the spies part, <laughs> how to deal with spies, <laughs> also fires. But um, for the most part, it's like it applies to communication because if you're serving someone, you're also trying to find their weaknesses. And, mm -hmm. and so you can not assault them, but like help them, you yep. know? And so you're just in, in one way or another, you're trying to be effective. And a SWOT analysis allows you um, the understanding of where you sit, you mm -hmm. know? And so, and it tells you what questions to ask. So if I don't know what I'm, you know, if I'm lost with a client or something, I might be able to talk w with one of my mentors mm -hmm. or I might be able to talk with a client or someone who works there and just, you know, have a good relationship with and just say, Hey, I feel like this is going on, whatever. Right. Um, at a job at, at, you know, talking with your customers, you know? So the SWOT analysis, I feel like the SWOT analysis raises just the most central and important questions about your business and the environment you're in. And the reason, so let's tie this back into leadership before we go. Yep. Why, Mike? Because I've been talking for a few minutes. <laughs> why is um, why is this so important for leadership? Mm. Well, this begins the conversation of what's your foundation you're leading from, right? Mm. What's the substance underneath yep. that? Like, what are you really offering? Yep. And it helps. It's a communications tool as well, right? As you begin to work down this process of the SWOT analysis you begin to formulate a communications plan mm. for how to talk about your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats, mm -hmm. and the vision in which you want to attack, right? So um, this will begin that conversation in your own head as mm -hmm. a leader, but also with your team, right? and will begin to get everyone on the same page as to how to communicate about these things. Yeah, I'm sure what you find is, through a couple of these SWOT analysis, you start to all start using the same language to talk about your strengths, right? to talk about each of these categories and the things that you find within them. So you're synchronizing. Yep. It's becoming kind of a medium for this exploration, like a brainstorming tool yep. that's disciplined um, and, and scoped. Yep. So, <clears throat> all right. I, lo I love it, and I love that we got to get through that. I wish we could have gone through and talked a little more about weaknesses and given more examples for weaknesses and opportunities, but maybe that'll be a bonus podcast at some point. Yeah. Who knows? 
So um, if you guys have thoughts, uh, anybody who's listening, watching has thoughts about the SWOT analysis, um, has questions about it, uh, please, we're mostly on Facebook, I think. And I think, are you recording? Are you casting right I now? I am not casting You're not right casting? now. I ran out of space. Okay. So um, so uh, please comment, ask questions, yep. uh, bring up the discussion, something we missed, bring it up, something you disagree with. Oh, we'd love to hear about it. And we'll argue with you and maybe you'll be right. And yep. We'll all learn something. Uh, and so um, as we go, um, this has been uh, Chris Stadler uh, of Chris Stadler Brand and Content Strategy and uh, also Mike Jones from Resound Brand Agency here in Arizona. Um, be sure to check us out, azbrandcast.com. If you're yes. looking for links to Facebook, if you're looking for ways to contact Chris or I, if you just want to find out more about what we're doing with AZ Brandcast with this podcast mm. and how we're trying to kind of uncover the identity of Arizona and help brands throughout Arizona be more remarkable and be greater at what they do. Um, that's a great place to kind of check that out. You can find past episodes as well. And hopefully Whis- whiskey we'll s- advice. There's, a, there's whiskey a little advice. bit of, yeah, we need to put some more up there. Uh, yeah. So and sign up for our newsletter. There was, there was not nearly enough tomfoolery in this episode. No, we need more tomfoolery. We need to work on that. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So, so if you need whiskey advice, um, I smoked a cigar. Oh, what'd you smoke? You uh, it was a, um, it was a good one. <laughs> I, have a pic- I like those. I have a picture of it. No, the guy who got, got bought it for me, okay. we like smoke cigars together, you know, was, yeah. like old guys. And, um, apparently I like cut the thing really well. Oh yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah. Nice. Um, but then like I, I got a little sick though. Oh. <laughs> it was embarrassing because I don't much. smoke. Yeah. So it was a, uh, so um, anyway, but it was a really good one. It was um, I have it written down somewhere. I took a picture of the label, but it was yeah. like awesome, I guess. And um, so that was that was fun. But um, but I I don't think I'm at a point where I can give you cigar advice quite yet. That's okay. But um, I have somebody we can bring on the show. You do. Yeah. Um, recommended reading. Yep. If you need recommended reading on any of the topics we're talking about, uh, we'll try to put some in there. But um, we're not going to get all of it because we're not quite organized yet <laughs> we're getting there we're uh, just we have a lot guys. of fun but we're just yeah two guys with doing other stuff but um we care about arizona we want to see we have we have uh love and a desire to serve yep arizona with um and 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 we're very curious about what makes arizona great want to find out what that is so uh we're hoping everybody joins us um it's been a pleasure everybody yeah thank and you we'll talk to you next time see y'all